Good morning. I'm going to borrow one of your music stands here. I'll try to keep the music on the stand. Happy Sabbath. Happy Easter weekend. See if I can raise this up to a little higher level. Because he lives, we can face anything, amen? We serve a risen Savior who is alive and active, active in our lives, concerned about our lives, who knows us by name, who calls us by name, and loves us by name. The ironic thing is many times that while we serve a risen Savior, we have a living hope. Many times we as believers have a hard time understanding what it means to live with that hope. The difference that hope actually makes in our everyday life. What difference does the hope of Jesus make to us? How does the power of the resurrection of Jesus truly make a difference for you and I? You know, hope is one thing. Hope is believing with all of our hearts that God is going to do what he said. That's where we find hope. But faith is a little different because faith is where that hope becomes reality in our lives. One author once said, Hope is hearing the melody of the future. Faith is to dance to it. Now, it's not very Adventist, so let's, let's rephrase that. We're, we're worship team. Uh, so, so let's just say hope is hearing the melody of the future, and, and faith is to sing to it. How's that? Is that, is that okay? Or, or pathfinders. It's, it's hope is the beat of the drum. 4-4 four, four timing, of course. But, but faith is marching to the beat of the drum. It is Hope in action. It is the reality of hope. But how many times do we fail to experience that hope in action in our lives? Today we're going to find through the resurrection of Jesus what it means to live that hope, to experience the power of the resurrected Lord in us. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we've seen already, you love us with an everlasting love. You've sent your Son to die and to be raised again on the third day on our behalf. Today, as we contemplate, as we take in the vastness of your love, I pray that we would indeed be transformed and understand what that means, this living hope, the power of the resurrection, what that means in our lives today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you had a written bulletin right now, it would say Easter homily. That means a shorter sermon. Um, I, I remember the comedian George Burns, remember that guy? He died back in the 90s. He was like 100 years old, and he, he basically disobeyed every one of the creation health principles, and he lived uh, and just lived to be 100. Don't follow his example. But he, he, he once said, he once said that, that a good sermon has a good beginning and a good end. That's the two ingredients to a, key, a good sermon. But then the, the third key is that those two are as close together as possible. So <laughs> that's a good sermon. Whereas C.D. Brooks, who I grew up listening to, my, my dad had all of his tapes from American Set Ministries, he once said, Christ, uh, sermonettes are for Christianettes. So we're going to find somewhere in between there today. <laughs> it's a homily, it'll be a shorter sermon. But we have much to, to look at when it comes to what God wants to do in our lives today. I invite you to, to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, the story of the resurrection, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary 
And also in the other account, we'll see there was also a woman named Salome who was the mother, supposedly, of James and John. They came to see the tomb. They came to see the tomb. I want you to flip with me over to Mark chapter 16. Put your finger there in Matthew 28. But there's something in the account of Mark I'd like us to note. Mark chapter 16, the parallel story. Verse 1, same story, different angle. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might anoint him. And verse 2 says, Verily, Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Verse 3, And they said among themselves, what do they ask? Who will roll away the stone? Did you catch that? I read this story many times, but, but their big concern was not just getting to the tomb, but their other concern was who's going to roll away this enormous stone that's been sealed with a Roman seal that we can get to Jesus? Who is going to roll away the stone? We can't do it. Many of us have come here today, like Mary and the other two women, asking that same question. Who is going to roll away the stone? You know, many times we have stones in our life that we're facing that we feel have kept us from getting to Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an issue in your family. Maybe it's a work issue. Maybe it's discouragement, doubt, fear. All these things seem to be these giant stones standing before us, and we ask the question, who is going to move this stone? Because we find ourselves powerless to move it, and somehow in our minds we think we cannot get to Jesus until this stone is rolled away. Back to Matthew chapter 28. Hope you had your finger there. Save Pastor Chandler when you find it. Got it? Okay. Verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. What's it say? For he is what? For he is risen. And he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. One interesting thing as I was reading through this and then I was thinking about the parallel versions in the other three Gospels is that I noticed that they never ever described the actual resurrection of Jesus. Have you noticed that? There's kind of like this blip there in the story. There's the the preamble that leads up to the resurrection. The angel comes down. But then none of them describe the actual resurrection. When Jesus bursts forth from the tomb, when the angel calls out, That's not found anywhere in the New Testament, in the the, the Gospels. What gives? It's kind of like this this app that my brother told me about. It's called VidAngel. And you can watch movies and you can edit all the undesirable content if you want. And then you're watching a movie and there's like this blip where it goes from one scene to another because it had to edit something. That's kind of what happened here. It jumped from one scene to another. We missed the resurrection. What happened? Why do not the Gospel writers... Talk about the actual resurrection. Frederick Bonner, 
who wrote a book called The Magnificent Defeat, has this take. He says, if we are to believe Christ is really alive with all that that implies, then we have to believe without proof. And of course, that is the only way it could be. If it could be somehow proved, then we would have no choice but to believe. We lose our freedom not to believe. And in the very moment that we lost that freedom, we would cease to be human beings. Our love of God would have been forced upon us. And love that is forced, of course, is not love at all. Love must be freely given. Love must live in the freedom not to love. It must take risks. Love must be prepared to suffer, even as Jesus suffered on the cross. And part of that suffering sometimes is doubt. As I was thinking of the story, as as they come and they, they look in the tomb, many of us find ourselves there today. Some of us are standing, staring at the stone in our life. Many of us have come to the tomb. The stone's been rolled away, and we see the empty tomb. We believe with our hearts that Jesus has been resurrected. We believe he is living. He is is living. He is on his throne. But we stay there. We've moved past the stone, but we're still staring into an empty tomb. We've not yet met Jesus. We're there. We believe he's risen. We believe he's in heaven, but we have not yet met him. The reality is this, is that Jesus is there at every corner, available, revealing himself, but sometimes we just miss it. Just like Mary there in the garden, Jesus comes as a gardener. To the disciples walking to the road to Emmaus, he comes as a stranger. Do you notice that all through this account, Jesus comes and he's unrecognized at first. Many times in our lives, we're looking for Jesus to come in exactly the way we think he should or expect him to come, and we miss him. But he's always coming. He's always seeking us. He's always revealing himself. But because our mind is so closed and focused on what we think, we miss him. We stand there staring in an empty tomb, wondering where is Jesus? Where is he in my life? We've come today with doubts, many of us, that we've not been able to satisfy. We've seen the empty tomb. We're staring at the rock. But what does it mean for us today? The greatest evidence of the power of Jesus is the change through the power that he wants to do in your life. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're looking at verse 18. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And we'll be reading through verse 20. It says, The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then Paul continues to his letter to the Ephesians in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? And, here, and here's the key. I think one of the most pertinent and revealing verses in scriptures are right here. The greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Did you catch that? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, God is extending to work in you. Is that good news? 
the power of the resurrection of Jesus is available for you and I today. It's true, it's stated. It is reality. Chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to read through verse 5. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the nature of the children of wrath, just as others. But here's the news. But God, who is rich in what? Rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. The power of the resurrection revealed through God's love extended us through his mercy and love. Verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, Paul reminds us, you have been saved. Hallelujah. It is God's lavish love, his mercy, his unmerited favor extends to us through the power of the resurrection that he wants to make reality in your life and my life. Who will move the stone? Who's going to roll it away? Where is Jesus? God answers it right here. He's right where he's always been. He's on his throne, yet he's near. He's right next to us. And he wants to dwell in us. And he wants to work in us and through us. He wants to transform our lives through the power of the cross. Paul says here that you were dead. That word nekros in Greek is the same word that was used for Jesus in the tomb before the resurrection. We were dead. We had no life spiritually. We were dead actually eternally, because that would be our end. But here's Paul's inescapable point. Here's where the rubber beats the road. The power that freed Jesus from the grave is the identical power that can free us from the penalty and power of sin. Amen? That same power frees us from the penalty and power of sin, but also not just there, but addictions of fears. The grave that held you for all these years, you and I, can be broken. The stone can be rolled away because of Jesus. No matter how big it is, no matter how formidable it appears, it can be rolled away by the power of Jesus. That is why our life and testimony are the greatest res- evidence of the resurrected Lord. What God has done for us and what he's doing in us. And what he wants to do through us. The devil can no more hold us in our sepulcher, our grave of sin, then he could hold Jesus Christ in the tomb of death. Satan is powerless because Jesus has already been victorious. The victory has been won. The power of death has been overcome. At the cross, sin has been defeated. Yet the battle wages on for our hearts. You've been overwhelmed by the stone, satisfied with an empty tomb, and missing the encounters with Jesus that he sets up every day because he comes in ways we don't expect. But he's there. I love what it says in the Review and Herald. Ellen White says this in in 1901. She says, Christ's death and resurrection has opened before every soul, every person, in unlimited, did you catch that? Say it with me. Unlimited source of power from which to draw. The death and resurrection of Jesus has opened before each one of us in unlimited 
an infinite, omnipotent source of power from which to draw. It is available to us. Can we say hallelujah? There's nothing too great for God. Things are too great for us. The stones are too big for us, but not too big for God. Satan realizes that each one of us, many of us have come today, just one prayer away from the moment, from the movement of heaven to begin your journey to freedom and find renewed strength and deliverance. And he'll do everything in his power to hold you and I where we're at. But Jesus died for whatever is holding you and rose to give you power over whatever is holding you down and holding you back. He died for that. You're not lost or abandoned, but on the cusp of the greatest chapter of our life, of your life. The greatest comeback, the greatest victory, the greatest deliverance is in store by the power of Jesus. We have hope in him that he wants to make faith and reality in our lives. Through the power of the resurrection, as Paul declared, that we are not lost and abandoned. There's unlimited power ready to do battle and to set us free. A few weeks ago I shared that Jesus is named Michael when there's time to do battle. Jesus came from the tomb victorious. And yes, he defeated Satan, but the battle wages on for each one of us. And Jesus comes forth from the tomb victorious as Michael on your behalf. And he battles for you. Battles for your heart. Holds back at bay the enemy. And he's seeking your heart. Michael stands up every day on your and on my behalf before the throne of grace, wanting our hearts. Matthew 28, verse 2. We'll end here. It says, And behold, there was a great earthquake. Have you noticed that in every phase of God's salvific accomplishment that there is an earthquake. At the cross when Jesus says it is finished, there's an earthquake. When the angel comes down to roll away the stone and Jesus is coming forth, there's an earthquake. Have you realized again when Jesus returns, when our faith is made sight, when his kingdom is come, what's there going to be? There's going to be another earthquake and every single time graves are opened. Every single time that God comes in this plan of salvation. There's an earthquake. Why? Because I believe it is a sign of God's seismic love for us. When God's love comes down to free us, to give us victory, the earth shakes at the vastness and the magnitude of his boundless, amazing love. That the earth has no choice but to tremble. And graves are split open. Even when Jesus died, graves were split open. And the saints came forth from those graves after his resurrection. The first fruits of the resurrection we all look forward to. Hallelujah. The cross was essential. The cross signed the papers for our salvation. It was the payment But without the resurrection, the cross would have been meaningless. Paul also says that if Jesus is not resurrected from the dead, we are still in our sins and we have no hope. The cross alone was not sufficient. It was sufficient for the payment, but not to ratify, to seal our salvation. It was the resurrection that did that. And so basically, in the three earthquakes, 
We see that salvation is signed at the cross, it is sealed at the resurrection, and will be delivered when Jesus comes back. You've been signed, sealed, delivered by the power of the cross. God's plan of salvation for each one of us. A man was praying, Lord, how long is a million years to you? God responds, only a second. And Lord, he says, how much is a million dollars to you? The man asked again. Only a penny, God answered. Then Lord, the man prayed, may I have a penny? Of course, God replied, just a second. I know we get impatient. All earth is groaning. But one day soon, Jesus will break forth through the clouds. The same power of the resurrection that brought him forth from the grave will also bring us forth from the grave and transform those of us who are alive and remain in the likeness of Jesus and his glorious body. I know it seems like a long time, but it's nearer than we first believed. It is coming soon. Be patient. Wait. But don't just wait looking at the tomb, looking at the stone. Wait, keeping your eyes fixed on the resurrected Lord. Our living hope, our faith, our reality, the power of the resurrection and salvation from sin only in Jesus and only comes through Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Church, I invite you to stand with us for a lesson.
together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, it's in Christ alone, your Son, that we have our hope, a living hope. It's the power of the resurrection, not just that you would instill in us when you come back, but Lord, today, that same power is available to us to free us from the penalty of sin, but also, Lord, to free us from the bondage that Satan wants to place us under, from seeing past the tomb, seeing past the rock, and even outside of the tomb. Lord, today help us to see Jesus. I pray for a fresh revelation of Jesus today, this week, every day, so then we can in turn be a revelation of Jesus to those around us. Lord, help us to see you. Father, transform us, we pray, by the power of the cross. We love you and thank you, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. And those who are at home and watching from there, thank you for joining us as well. Have a great week. Be safe. We love you, and we'll see you back next week.